farmers have a direct hand to me in letting life carry on. And it's not just the life of the people who eat the food. The food itself is life. Farmers, like medical people, are keeping that life going for as long as it can. And they need to be honored because of that for their, their place in this world in terms of not only feeding people physically, but the idea that that is one of the most precious things you can do for human life. But it can't be honored when people are just forgetting and letting them disappear into the background and almost in some ways forgetting where this whole line of food originated. It didn't originate with big businesses. It, it originated in small places with small families. That's where it originated. And that to me is like, is, it's something to revere. Welcome to Towards a Kinder Public, a podcast dedicated to designing kinder public space that better meets our interconnected needs. I'm Kevin Castle, and along with Annie Chen, we are Kinder Public. It is our absolute pleasure to welcome back Reverend Peaches Gillette to talk about her new book, Walking the Land, a collaborative work with the watercolorist Tommy Beers. Reverend Gillette is a poet and ordained chaplain spiritual counselor, and race relations advisor, who recently participated as a panelist in the Dalai Lama Library and Learning Center's Interfaith and Secular Ethics Conference in Ithaca, New York. Reverend Gillette has been an educator for more than 45 years in private and public school settings, as well as programs providing educational pathways for incarcerated individuals. She has worked with veterans, disabled individuals, and survivors of domestic violence. Presently, she sits on the Dryden School Board and the Tompkins County Human Rights Commission. This new book, Walking the Land, is dedicated to American family farms and features poetic reflections as well as interviews with the farmers about their work, their hopes, and the future of their farms. The writings are partnered with Tommy Beers's beautiful watercolor paintings of each of the family farms, capturing not just the moments of abundance and harvest, but also the challenges, the dormant periods and moments of waiting, the beloved and necessary machinery, and the realities of this work. To give you a little bit of the story of the process of the book, Reverend Gillette and Tommy Beers went knocking on doors to find farmers willing to talk and willing to let a poet and a painter walk their land and compile these products of gratitude, admiration, and thanks to the people who give everything to grow our food. In this interview, you'll also hear a brief reference to a previous podcast with Reverend Gillette, and we'll link that in the episode notes for you. This conversation is a meditation on the value of our labor, and is particularly meaningful as we approach Thanksgiving. It also serves as a continuation of our discussion about the 2023 Farm Bill, which has been delayed in the legislative process and will now be the 2024 Farm Bill. Kinder Public sees agricultural land as a critical part of our public infrastructure, 
and as our podcast listeners know, we have been working over the past year to advocate for regenerative agriculture, small, medium, organic, and family farms, climate-resilient methods, and increasing funding to conservation practices. These priorities in the Farm Bill impact our national food security and capacity towards climate change mitigation, along with other critical issues. And no one knows how to work in simultaneous roles as both food producers and land stewards better than the individuals intensely invested in the health of their land and working with nature-based methods. Our conversation on walking the land will be shared over two episodes. We hope you will share them with your friends and families. Thank you for joining us for these reflections and gratitude for the work of our farmers. Here is part one. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. (laughs) How was your day? Going along just fine. How was yours? It was good. I had service. I had to do a sermon today, so that was nice. And it was it was really talking about, you know, the ways in which we need to stop dividing ourselves from others and mm-hmm. looking at them as so different than who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and this concept of oneness that is not, you know, it's not just a spiritual concept. It's also a scientific concept. It's like there are all these great minds out there saying, wait a minute, that you have an illusion about our being so separate from one another. You know, so it, it it went over really well. So I was really glad. Yeah, that's great. Really yeah. needed right now too. It really is awful, awful, awful. Mm-hmm. And we can't seem to we just can't seem to get ourselves together in any way to stop hating each other. That's basically the bottom line, really. You know, right, right. Yeah, we do what we can do in our own, you know, in our own way. Part of it to me is just like constantly you know, leaning on that message that we need to start change our consciousness about who we are on this earth together. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. so. The thing I've been thinking about too, is like, it's, it's such a privilege. I mean, if there's anything that we can take away from this moment, it's that nothing is guaranteed. And so the time that we have is, uh, yes, should be approached with a different mindset. That's right. That is exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. And it's not always about like, running off and doing all these grand political things because not all of us are capable of doing it and we don't have access to doing that. Mm -hmm. So, so the question becomes like outside of that frame of making change, you can't in this country, if things are going wrong, you could do voting and things. I can't do that in Israel or in the Ukraine, Mm -hmm. you know, so we have to think of ways to try to make a difference on all those levels, spiritually and scientifically, you know, in order to feel like we're contributing to keeping, you know, I always call it like holding our fingers in the dam, you know, like, Mm -hmm. uh, because unfortunately, like, human nature can guide us in a very different direction. And what we're trying to do is hold that back. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe in the process of that change some ways of thinking. So in other words, when people are saying, well, I don't, I can't do this, and I can't do this, you have, we have to think of what we can do, and understand that that is enough because it is part of, it takes all hands to create, you know, a feast, you know, if you want to call it that, like the feast of peace, it takes, everybody has to contribute something. Not everybody brings the same thing. 
And I still refer back to the conversation we had last spring about Mm -hmm. people making a long line together. So even if you can't be the person that directly puts their hands on an issue, you can be part of that long chain of support that will eventually reach. Yes, 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 absolutely. The other day I was using the analogy of when we were children, and it's similar to exactly what you're saying right now. When we were children, when we, we played tag and there was this this aspect of it is that if I was touching base right, and you, you touched me, you were also safe. Right. It's not about me being necessarily on the front line. It's that chain of support that you're describing. Right. That makes a difference. It really does. That story is exactly what I'm talking about. That, that yeah. story about tag that you shared last spring. Yeah. Yeah. It makes such a difference to me. It's just like, and it can uplift and inspire people to go further, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. It's, 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 so that's where, you know, this is the kind of thing that I'm always trying to live by, you know, not just talk about, just live by. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm so grateful for that conversation, not only because of those really powerful ideas about making those um, links with, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. to reach as far as you can, but also the idea that love is something that you, you have to work on and you have to take it out and you have to attend it and polish it and practice (laughs) it and keep it with you and make a really conscious effort to have it with you. Yes. And I think you even said like a cell phone, like we could be so carefully check our pockets and make sure that that, (laughs) that tool is with us. But the idea of approaching other people with love is the same thing. And you shared that idea so beautifully. And that was actually the first, that was the first conversation in the series of interviews that we've had towards a kinder public. And I want to share my gratitude with you for um, believing in me and sharing your time and your words and how valuable and generous that was. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, anytime, really. I just, I love being with you. I, you know, we share a lot of thoughts about who we are as people and what we ought to be doing to, you know, crystallize on and capitalize on the love that we can have for other people. I use part of the interviewing of a couple of the farmers as an example of that, not looking at people on the superficial level and saying, well, we're different and our ages are different and we work differently and we didn't grow up in the same place. And we use all these kind of physicalities and superficialities to distinguish ourselves from others, but it's the essence of who we are, the essence of why somebody would farm, the essence of somebody why somebody wants to grow their own food and feed their families. We all have that in common. We all have that in common, wanting to like sustain our own lives and work towards the betterment of even our families and the world. We all have that in common. It's not the outward appearance that makes any difference at all. Mm-hmm. So just to clearly reference that, you've just published a new book called Walking the Land, uh, which was a collaboration between yourself and your friend, Tommy Beers, Mm -hmm. uh, who is a painter. Yes. And so the book features his watercolors and your writing and poetry. Yes, yes, yes. Could you you share more, a little bit more about the book and, and how that came to be? Yeah, I I just am in love with the whole project. I really am for a million reasons. And it really started off with there was this proposal put out or, you know, for people to apply for grants to do something artistic in the rural areas. And it was really like a huge 
grandfather, it was like $10,000. It was like gigantic. And Tommy and I, you know, we applied for it, but it was like thousands and thousands of people from all over the nation applying for it. So we didn't get it. And we thought, and we were disappointed. And we thought, well, why are we disappointed? Why don't we just do this ourselves? Why don't we create this avenue for people to recognize farms and farmlands and the beauty mm. and the history and the timelessness of how hard people work to grow their own food and to make sure that their families and even their communities are fed. Why would we just let that go? Because somebody's not affirming it for us to do. And so we thought, okay, how can we do this? And Tommy always posts his paintings on Facebook and it didn't start off with farms. I, I, I once said to Tommy, you know, that thing absolutely needs a poem. There's no question about it. And Tommy said, well, try it. And, and I tried it and I thought, oh, this is very interesting. What's coming out of this. And what we were really digging for was the spirit behind everything in the painting. In other words, it wasn't just about the farmers. It was about the machinery, the equipment, the, mm -hmm. the, the, desire to build and to make things better and, and more useful and to spread ourselves out. And that, that, that comes back to our oneness, that we have this motivation to just keep plugging along against any odds because farmers face a million odds and they just keep going because they believe in what they're doing. They love the land and things like that. So, so it started off with that one poem. And then Tommy and I in a lot of our conversations, they realized that we both loved farmland specifically and how farmland, and I love equipment and machinery and all of that stuff, and how farmland, small family farms are just disappearing mm -hmm. out of the consciousness of people. I mean, we talk about, you know, our children not recognizing where their food comes from. Well, other than going to a farmer's market, most people don't think about the farmers who grew that food. You know, unless you're part of a collective or something. But in general, most people don't think about the hard work that goes into that, the enormous expenses that go into that, which I, you know, found out during this project, the amount of money that farm equipment, I mean, it's more than buying a house half the time. And what happens when that stuff breaks down? What happens when you're not, you're still doing your work, but you're not really making the income to maintain all of that stuff. So what happens? What happens to these farmers and this farmland? And so we decided to not only do this collaboration of painting and poetry, but we would interview four farmers and find out right from them what goes on. And so we wrote up a series of questions to ask them about a little bit about the history of their own lives on farms um, and to talk about some of the, the pleasures and the pains that come into farming um, and what they were hoping and why they do that work. And so that was a beautiful part of putting the book together. And and again, it's it's so incredible how this simple book goes back again to like our oneness because I didn't know some of these farmers. And so now, so I'm a black woman up in a predominantly white area. Rural areas are predominantly white. And you hear all these things and stereotypes about those country guys and those and I thought, well, I'm trying to live what I believe, which is to cross over whatever divide with courage. And if I get rejected, I get rejected, but I will never say I did not try to close gaps, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I went out by myself at times and knocked on doors and, and thought, okay, I'm going to deal with whatever I face. And out of it came these beautiful, loving 
relationships, just pure and simple. And I thought, this is what we have to do. Sometimes we just have to step out and just talk to people and find out. And we sat. And so the first farmer who I love, still love and still in contact with, is um, older, much older, very ill. He's getting ill, is a farmer. All of it, all of his, absolutely all of his life was a farmer, is a white guy, um, different religion. So we have all these things that people can use as barriers between one another. And they were not between us because we didn't let them become barriers. And we just sat and we talked about the forces in our lives and the determination in our lives that make us want to continue moving forward mm -hmm. no matter what. And that's how we connected on that level. And it was really completely beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So you you actually went and knocked on people's doors. Yeah. A couple of people, Tommy knew a couple not. Mm -hmm. And we took a chance, mm -hmm. you know, and we told them what we're trying to do. We're like, you know, I, you know, and I'm very passionate about what I say in passion to what I speak. And I told them how much respect I had for farms and farmers and people who are working hard and people who are who like who carry the history timelessly for all of us like all over the world people farm that's what they do <laughs> they could have the worst conditions and they will try to figure it out one of the farmers actually created his own irrigation system because he like it lives where there's the worst land i mean look at that you know, that inspiration that goes on because he wanted to grow food. He wants to bring back the chestnuts. So most of what he grows are chestnut trees and fruit trees and things like that. I mean, that is so beautiful to me. And it, it's such a deep and inspiring part of who we are as human beings that I am, it, I'm attracted to it. Like, you know, like I'm attracted to any beauty in this world and I just love it. And that's how I kind of pitched the thing and then asked, would you mind being interviewed? Would you mind us taking pictures of your farm? And Tommy's going to paint them, and this is the result. So it was really the whole every step of the way was a perfect human experience to me, you know. And and I just I'm just madly in love with the whole thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful book, and I I love the way that you talk about the the expertise of the people that you were speaking with, and to me, it's a it's an occupation that's similar to teaching in that you have to be an expert in so many different things yes. <laughs> and you're really committing your physical body and your, and your strength to the work. And um, it's very demanding on your stamina, but it's also um, an intellectual activity, a scientific activity, Yes, <laughs> yes. you know, a, a labor of love and of nurturing and caring and, you yeah. Um, I think it takes a very special person who can operate on all of those different levels yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. The stewardship as well. Yes, that's right. And this great creativity. And to be able to to be so committed to this thing that you will just roll with the punches. Like one of the things, one of the farmers, the same farmer talking about Jim, told me is that his equipment had broken down his tractor and he couldn't like harvest so, you know, sometimes you go to neighbors and go, can I borrow your tractor or can you bring it over? And his neighbor's tractor broke down. Mm. And so he lost everything oh. that season. You know, some people would throw in the towel, but these people, I mean, they are just, he's just, you know what? I'll figure this out and we'll do it again. And we'll, 
pick up the pieces and things like that. And I just, I love that. I just love that. And this is not about like, because I'll get power and because I'll be rich. This is simply about, this is what I love to do. And I'm going to face the odds and I'm going to work my way through them and continue to do this. And that is such, that is so powerful to me about the human spirit that I just love it. I think it's something that we need to be reminded of. It's, it's something that we can do. We can, yes, we can push through and we can find the things, the threads that will allow us to yes complete the work and to carry it forward. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've always loved machinery and mechanics and things. And like, like the idea of somebody like tinkering around with other parts and collecting things to fix that tractor again. <laughs> like, I just, I love that kind of stuff because it's so brilliant and creative. And so like you're saying, it, it takes so many parts of our bodies and our minds Mm-hmm. to keep this thing moving along. And here we often look at farmers because you know there are many of them who don't have academic educations. We look at them as somehow less intelligent when they are completely and absolutely brilliant. Completely and absolutely brilliant. That is another divide that we set up in society that I refuse to stand on one side of. I always want to cross over and go, I don't care what you are, what you do what you've learned, who you are. I know that we're connected and I'm going to make this work out in a creative way, like through a book or whatever, or through just being in love with one another and sitting down and talking. I'm sitting in somebody's, one of the farmers and watching them weeping over how hard it's become on his body and things like that. But he doesn't say, and I'm stopping. He never says that. He's like, I'll go to sleep and Pray for another day of being able to get up and do this again. You know, for me, it's just incredible. I have the highest level of respect for these people. And I I want them to know it. And I want everybody to know it as much as I can, you know. Your your description of the the work on the machinery and the ability to to use whatever is on hand um, and (laughs) to see things from different perspectives and to reapproach the problem from a a million different ways. This reminds me a lot of your classroom. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yes. I can definitely see your approach in that. And the, the idea that we can look at things and see them for what they are, or we can look at them and apply the labels that we have for them. Yes and halt the process of yes. innovation through that barrier to the experience, right? That's right. That's right. Exactly. And often we do do that. I, you know, I often use the words with anybody, children, whatever, that let's try to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I never go, oh, well, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm like, let's try to figure this out and I'll try to figure it out with you, mm-hmm. you know, because I, because they're, like you're saying, like, to try to turn things around and look at them from a very different perspective. I love the concept because there was a movie that was kind of based on that where let's say several people looking at the same exact thing from where they were standing. And so when they described that thing, it was completely different because they're standing from different points of view. Mm -hmm. And if we can take problems and try to look at them from different points of views, then our answers and our solutions to them will always come up differently. And if we can put those things together, we might accomplish something amazing, you know? 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I love saying, let's figure this out. In other words, let's move around this object and look at it from various sides and then see what we can come up with while we do that. In reading your book, I got a real sense that you understood the loss of the family farm as the loss of a very important, I don't want to say resource, but um, a very important idea, mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. process yes. in our country. Could you talk a little bit more about what it means to lose those places because we are not supporting them through these difficult times? Yeah, yeah. And I love that you use several different words to describe the loss because it is never one thing. It's 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 a beautiful history, and as much as we take often take this country for granted, really, we completely take this country for granted. This country is far from being perfect, but we have opportunities in this country and determination. Because there, because we always see like the little windows of hope somewhere, um, where there are places that don't have that hope. Mm-hmm. There's, they don't have a way out, and farmlands and farmers represent that idea of this country being like, here you can take a piece of land, and even if it's hard and not perfect, that you can make this work partially because you are here. You may face like even climate changes and weather problems and things like that. But there are always people here because there are other farmers who respect what they do, who try to come to the rescue, you know, who try to help you out and even organizations and agencies at times. And so the biggest strand for me is like this lineage, not just within the person's family, but the human lineage of farming itself that should never be taken for granted and never be forgotten and should serve as an inspiration for us to know that we can make this food problem work out, that we can make healthy foods work out because we've seen it a million times. You know, we we live in a place where we have been, we're lucky to be able to look back in our past and go, oh my God, this is what everybody's been doing. This is what the Native Americans have been doing. This is what Everybody here, it's like this long line of this beautiful way of existing and sustaining life itself, life being a precious force. And farmers have a direct hand to me in letting life carry on. And it's not just the life of the people who eat the food, it's the food itself is life. And and how could that not be the most powerful thing in the world and an inspiration? You can extrapolate all sorts of things from that and go, oh, I could take that consciousness and that, that reality and reapply it in other areas of living, that determination. There's such an inspiration to us in terms of the fact that we are we are born and we are alive and we are attached to that. And so we try to come up with ways to keep that going as long as we possibly can, Mm -hmm. you know, and farmers like medical people are keeping that life going for as long as it can. And, and they need to be honored because of that for their, their place in this world um, in terms of not only feeding people physically, but the idea that that is one of the most precious things you can do for human life. That's that's brilliant to me. 
and it's worth being honored by everybody. But but it can't be honored when people are just forgetting and letting them disappear into the background, you know, and almost in some ways forgetting where this whole line of food originated. It didn't originate with big businesses. It, it originated in small places with small families. That's where it originated. And that to me is like, is is something to revere, you know? So I'm very attached to that. And I want these farmers to know that. They don't hear that from most people, you know, not at all. They need to know that there are people like me out here that, that are like, okay, this in this area, I worship who you are. It doesn't matter who you are in terms of whether we have the same personality type or whatever, I worship the fact that you're doing this work. And this life itself is built on the hard work that people do that reaches and touches other people. And that's what we all should be doing in anything, whether it's teaching or farming, whatever, that's what we need to be focused on. How do we reach other people and inspire them? How do we reach other people and even give them hope for that matter? You know, techniques that are used in one farm, somebody else might know, but another farmer says, hey, try this technique. You know, it might work. So we're always touching base and inspiring people. And that to me is just like holy stuff, you know, in terms of farming. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check out our website, kinderpublic.com, for more information about our guest on the topic, as well as a full transcript of the conversation, which can be found on the podcast page. Captioned episodes of all of our interviews are also available on our YouTube channel, where we are at Kinder Public. We are also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you there. I'm Kevin Castle, and my guest has been Reverend Peaches Gillette. Our conversation about her new book of interviews, poetry, and paintings, in collaboration with painter Tommy Beers, will continue in the next episode. Please take extra care, and have a good holiday.